Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the interesting figures and leading lights in this crazy industry that we're in called self-publishing. Today, to mark May, which is Mental Health Awareness Week, we have a wonderful guest who we're very excited to talk to, Amy Ziegler, who writes, uh, oh, action, adventure, romantic comedies, which are exactly what I'm into. So we are <laughs> delighted to have you here, Amy. How are you doing today? Awesome. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. It is so pleasant to talk to you guys. I'm super excited. Thank you. Oh, well, it's wonderful you could join us. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, uh, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing great. Thanks, Roland. And, uh, you know, just a quick correction there. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, not week. But other than that, (laughs) we're all good. Life is a human construct. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you know, the, this seems like a great time to have Amy on because she likes to uh, to talk about, um, you know, writing and, and how it helps not only the author's mental health, but it can help the reader's mental health. Um, and I know she has a couple of really interesting examples of that. And then, you know, we can talk about some of the things that it does for both the author and the reader. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on, Amy. And uh, why don't you tell us you know, a little bit about yourself, and then you know we can we can start with those the stories that you have about uh, about how this sort of mental health and writing go together, and how it has in your life at least. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, not much to tell. I'm a mom of three kids. I live near Austin, Texas, and I started writing when my second was about two years old, like writing full time. Like I always wanted to be an author. I've always had stories to tell. Um, like many authors, I grew up reading, loved books. It was, a, you know, the perfect escape as a child. And yeah, now I'm excited to do this. I'm self-publishing. I'm actually a hybrid author. And so self-publishing is as often as I can get the stories out. It's super fun. Perfect. So I know you have a couple stories, one, you know, a, sort of a personal story and then one of uh, one that uh, about someone else. Yeah. So first off, I'm not like a mental health professional. So anything I say is just going to be my opinion alone. And um, I have suffered with um, postpartum depression and um, I didn't realize it actually at the time. Um, it's really hard, I feel like, to diagnose it when you're in the middle of it. And I feel like even the people around you don't necessarily notice either. It's, 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 it's almost like strangers had to tell me that. I'm like, you're not doing too well. And I'm like, whoa, how did you know? Um, but I, I did. I had postpartum depression after each of my kids. It's um, something that I struggled with for quite a bit after my kids, pretty bad. And um, after my second was born or my third was born, I was just, it was really bad. It was January because he was born in, you know, May, but by January, I still hadn't shaken it. And I just, just felt really bad. Like I just really struggle. I just kind of feel like my life is over. It's really hard to explain what depression feels like because people are like, oh, you just sad. I'm like, no, it felt like my life was over. And with postpartum depression as well, I just felt like I had no energy. And so like my house was a mess, nothing was getting done. And I was just in the deepest, deepest, darkest place. And I went to the library and I picked up a book that I had started the series and I wasn't like super into the series, but I picked up book number three. So I hadn't read number two and I started reading it and it was a YA um, action adventure romantic comedy. And I was like, huh, I'll just try this out. You know, I, I sat down and I read it and it was just like, it was drinking water after being in a parched desert. It was 
it was it was so filling to me. I was angry when somebody came over for dinner. I remember answering the door with the book in my hands like, oh, why are you here? I want to read my book. I want to feel this feeling because like with postpartum depression and other forms of depression, it can be really difficult to feel something. And so this book made me feel something. And I told my husband, I was like, I want to do this for other people. Like this is important to me to have people read stuff that helps them escape, helps them feel something, helps them um, relate to other characters and and be a part of a de- another world. So um, the second story is um, somebody that I know really close to me was really struggling with their mental health. And I don't, I'm not sure that she knew it at the time, but she, I could tell that something was broken inside because she couldn't laugh. Like she had this really stilted laugh. Like we would tell her a joke or she would tell a joke or, and she would just go, ha, 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 ha. It wasn't like a genuine laugh. And um, and this really broke us up inside because we were really close with this person. And then I had published my first book and I sent it to her. And I was really nervous about sending it to this person because I feel like the people closest to you are not the people that you're like, you like, here, read my book. And you're just like, oh, I'm really nervous about this. Yeah, and and so um, she called. She called us. And she was laughing so hard she could not talk. And we're like, what's going on? And she, and it was that genuine laugh of like belly laugh. And she's like, oh, Amy, I loved your book. Hold on, hold on. I got to read you this line. I was like, dude, I've read this whole book like thousands of times over. <laughs> like, you don't have to read it to me. But I was curious to know which line resonated with her, right? Like I was like, what was it that she found so funny that she literally cannot breathe? And she goes, she's like, Andy stood strong in her fat suit. And then she laughed again. And I was like, I don't even remember that line. Like, <laughs> anything that I had like, oh, this will be really funny. I mean, the whole book is like super silly, but but that's what resonated with her. That is what tickled her brain. And it gave her that, that dopamine boost. I mean, that whole story is just action, adventure, romantic comedy. And I was worried because it's like on the PG-13 side and this this person is not, she, she like reads Christian fiction. And so I was like, oh, and so here we are. And she loved it. And it, it was a breakthrough for her. So when I got off the phone, my husband turned to me and he said, you have a gift. You must keep writing. Like, I don't her, care how much it costs or what it, you know, what, you know, monetary, but time and everything else. He's like, I support you in this because people need that kind of healing when they read your stories. And that, that's my MO. That's, that's the reason I write. That's my, that's my why that right there. So. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a really powerful story because it's, it really shows that everybody is different, right? And you don't know what's going to resonate with somebody, you, you know, that line might mean nothing to somebody else, but it made, right. it made it, it meant everything to that one person and to pull Absolutely. them out of, you know, a really bad place is, you know, this gift that we have sometimes as authors to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And then, you know, I'm glad that it was able to, to help with you as well. I think a lot of the people um, I know, a lot of people I know, including myself have, people that we know that struggle with depression and with other sorts of, uh, you know, mental health issues. Um, and it's always a struggle to find something that will relate to them. And, you know, if, if it's a good book, then that's even better, right? Especially right. given who we are as people, as authors, right? <laughs> right. We love it. 
So you mentioned two examples you had, you know, you'd read something that had meant Mm -hmm. something to you and then Mm -hmm. something you'd written had meant something to somebody else. I don't I mean, before the call, we mentioned it like when you're writing stuff, do you find writing therapeutic? Because I know I do. And so uh, tell us about that. Yes, absolutely. Like I have to say, like. I didn't know when I went into writing that, you know, like, especially there's like, you know, the self-publishing, like you're supposed to write one story and then write a series to back it. I was seriously just writing the things from my heart, things that I needed to get off my chest. So um, the casserole dish, which is like my my best selling book was actually all about my pain. It was everybody in there suffers with something that I had suffered with. And I actually was like, I just kind of self-published it. I didn't even tell anybody I was publishing it. And I just kind of snuck it in under the radar and it just exploded. Um, and, and, and I think for me, what resonated with people is it's about a neighborhood. Um, there's gossip, there's drama, not too much drama because like, again, I like, you know, uplifting and funny things, but it's enough that people can relate to it. And, um, and I wrote some of like, I won't go into any details. Some of my neighbors may or may not be in that book. I don't want to get sued. (laughs) I changed details about them, but just kind of like weird little personality quirks, just because I was like so annoyed with what was going on that I was like, well, I'm going to give this person that attribute that I really don't appreciate. And and it was a it was a therapy book for me and kind of a love letter to that neighborhood because I loved my neighbors. I there were things that annoyed me about them, of course, but I loved them. And so, and I loved that time living in that neighborhood. And so, you know, I had to switch all the details around and it, you know, it's nothing like the people that actually live there, but they I found them relatable in a way that because I was writing from my heart, it was writing from my experience, it was writing things that I cared about, it really resonated with people. And it just take it's still my my best selling book. And I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to write a series. Oops, you know, but um, it, it does really well. And it, it, it is a therapy, actually, almost all my books are therapy babies, like I'm always writing things that bother me. I have another book that, um, that I'm probably going to try to publish this year. It's called Late Bloomer. And it's basically, to all the late bloomers out there, because I felt like I was a late bloomer. Like I was just really nerdy in high school. Um, I didn't really blossom until college. And I just kind of wanted to write about that, like the struggles that I had trying to find myself. And so um, all of those things just end up getting written into the book. And I think that's why like people are like, oh, chat GP, they're going to write books. And I'm like, they can't understand the human condition, like how we understand the human condition. Nobody can replicate your experiences, your pains. And um, I always say, and maybe this is like minimizing people's pain, but I say like pain plus time equals humor. So, well, that's that's one of the oldest rules of the world, of the world isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think most, most stand-up comedy uh, com- comics work by that, right? Yes, yes. And so like one of my first books that I published, The Swiss Mishap, was all about living in a foreign country. I had moved to Switzerland and, you know, didn't speak French and had to talk to people all day long. And I made so many mistakes. That was, that was definitely written from my pain. That's my second best-selling books. Like they love that book. It just resonates with people because I wrote from, you know, the struggles that I had and I was able to share that and people, it resonates with people because we all struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like the idea of, you know, the catharsis of taking uh, you know, some negative feeling you have about a person and then putting it onto this fictional character and then working out your issues 
through that character instead of, you know, getting angry at that person in real life, right? Absolutely. I think it's so healthy. Like, I love it. When I found out that um, President Lincoln, he would like get mad at people and he'd write all these letters to them and then he would never send them. I kind of feel like this is the same thing. This is me writing those angry letters to those people, but I'm putting it in fiction. And so it's easier to swallow. It's easier for me to like get out because I can make, you know, things happen in my world. I have control over my world that I create. And so this, these are kind of like those little letters and I send them out into the world and it's, and, and it's relatable and people, people love it. People feel that way. What is it Ernest Hemingway said? Is the writing is just you sit down and, and write what hurts or something like that. Yes, lead onto a page, I think, is yes. one of the things. He's very descriptive. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I find it fascinating that Annie, you have to dig into your own pain to write pain that sounds, that reads in a relatable way. But then there are other people who read it and they're like, oh my God, you get, that's the thing with books. You read a book and it's like, oh my God, it's like this author wrote this book for me. Absolutely. I think it's so funny because I run an ad on the casserole dish and people come back and comment on that ad. Like that's never happened to me before. And they were like, oh my gosh, everyone should read this book. Like this book is like the best book I've read all year. This book, and I'm not trying to sell my book. I'm just saying when you write from your pain, it resonates with other people because it's the human condition that we're all relating to. Right. And, and I love that human connectedness like when i write something and it resonates with somebody else they're connected to me like even if i don't know them we have this connection and i love that and it's it's that shared connection that i think we're all looking for these days especially in the digital era and so i just love i love that fiction can do that yeah uh, i mean the interesting thing too is like it's not written as a, like a self-help book or a you know a therapy book right it's it's like, it's just, it's a romantic comedy. It's a, an adventure. And then people have found it not necessarily looking for something that can help them, but then it just does. So it's like this bonus that they get, you know, right, cause, from reading. Cause, absolutely. Because I feel like fiction is like self-help, right? Like how I write my characters, like I give them problems. I give them more problems than what I have in my own life. Like sometimes I really load them on. And then I lead them through this journey. And I think it's the journey that people appreciate reading. And if you can learn how to write a journey where your character is going through a lot, and you don't, you don't want to like slam them because then it's painful to read. You get like secondhand, like, oh, yeah. you, know, you give them grace, you give them humor, right? You, you do things to help them through that journey. But then they have to, you know, they, you bring them down to the greatest depths. Like if you read Save the Cat, that's the all is lost moment, Dark Night of the Soul, where they they have to face the consequences of their actions. They have to they have to dig down deep and say, what do I want the most? And then they rise like the phoenix out of the ashes and they become a better person. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever re read Donald Moss. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, the Emotional Craft of Fiction. Oh, so good at teaching you how to do that. Oh, I'll have to look them one up. I'm very familiar with Save the Cat. I mean, that's like a lifesaver for, for writers, writing, but, right? But you're absolutely right. I was thinking once you've read Save the Cat, it kind of ruins a lot of films for you because you're like, oh, I know which stage you're at. But you, so the good films do, they bring their heroes down to their knees. Right. And then they manage to like pull a miracle off and somehow achieve things. Right. And it's, it's very cathartic. Um, one of the, 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 when you're talking about writing from a mental point of view, readers need to go down that far 
and just be like, all is lost in order to get that dopamine hit when they triumph. Because as readers, we are the character and we are going through the same thing. And so when we when we triumph with the main character, we actually triumph as well. And it just lights us all up. Like, I love that. And that's something you can get that a little bit from movies. And I watch movies for storytelling content, for sure. But there's something about reading that takes people to that that deeper level of, you know, compassion and relatability that you just can't can't get or is limited in in the visual form of of movies for sure. Yeah, there's so much more depth that you can get in a book than, you know, the one quick scene in a movie that you're supposed to pick it all up on, right? Absolutely. But I, you know, the the idea of bringing the the character down to their depths and then rising getting them to rise up and and that can help people in in their own mental state when they see a character that is brought down to the to the slowest low and then they got out of it and then mm-hmm. they figured out a way out and maybe it gives them some hope about how I can get even if it's not the same even if the character's not going through the same issue exactly right you know they, they at least uh, they see that hope of you know they were down and out and then all of a sudden um, they got brought back into you know, happiness and, and, and just being able to see a path forward in their life. And so then, you know, they can, they can see it for themselves, I think. Absolutely. I think one of the things I love the most about fiction is what we're, you know, what we're peddling, our crack that we're peddling is hope, like hope that people can make it through this situation, hope that we can overcome, hope that we can find love again, right? If you're writing a romance, um, all of these things gives us that hope. And so when you, in order to make that look so great, you have to have that contrast. Like to me, it's all about contrast. Like in order to have that super high, you just, you take them really low. And that's relatable, even if it's, you know, somebody um, living in Switzerland for the first time, or if it's, you know, somebody living on the moon and, or Mars and trying to get off, right? Like we all have these struggles and we can relate to those. I find it amazing that writers can do that so well. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were going through your postpartum depression, um, Mm -hmm. the book that got you out of it, I assume Mm -hmm. was, you know, not something that you picked up with the hopes of it helping, right? It was just a happy coincidence. (laughs) And what was it that sort of resonated with you and got you out of it? Oh, it's so funny because, um, my my pediatrician at the time laughed at me so hard because we would always go and we would take this giant box and we would just fill it full of books. You know, instead of taking a book bag, we brought a box and I just raised a whole family of readers. But it was so funny because I just happened to be over in the teen section because I love YA. Like I, I'm actually transitioning into writing YA fantasy. Um, I'll still continue writing, you know, romance and stuff like that. But I really love YA fantasy. And I don't know, I picked it up. And I was like, oh, this is really good. But what I loved about it was the funky chemistry between the main two characters, the main leads. I loved it that they were doing something that wasn't just romance, like a lot of like straight romance books, which is why I don't write like straight romance. Like people are all like, and I don't mean straight as in like sexuality. I mean, straight, like only romance. Something else is always going on in my books. And that may annoy some people like that's fine. Um, but I loved that. And, and YA does this really well. And I think that's why a lot of adults read YA is that they have all these intriguing 
you know, concepts that they have to do. Like in Hunger Games, she was like trying to save the world from, you know, tyranny. And um, in Twilight, she was like, oh, with a vampire, you know, like how intriguing is that? Like, and I think with a lot of adult fiction, we we miss out on those opportunities to um, to even have those kinds of situations. And so I think for me, I was just looking for a fluffy read and I loved it because it just, you know, it had that funky chemistry. They were doing something interesting. You know, they had those pitfalls and it just, I don't know, it was so delicious to me mentally. Like that's all I can describe it as. <laughs> yeah. You needed, you needed maybe a mental escape from. Absolutely. Own, right. Know. And that's, and that's a big part of reading too, right? It that is. Mental like Mental escape. I, I, I kind of get upset because a lot of a lot of my friends are like, well, I only read literature. And that's great. If you write literature and you're reading literature, this is not to bag on those people. But this is to tell people that if you're writing like Faded Mate, um, Dragon Shifters, and you're like, is there a place for me in the world? Abso-freaking-lutely. You know, there is because we need that escape. The world is bad enough, right? Like we like just go and look at the news and it's it's terrifying, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, it's all of those things. And what I love to do is just crawl inside a novel and put the world away. Like one of the things, um, I don't know if you know Dave Wolverton, he writes under um, Dave Farland, but he, he was teaching these classes and I was part of it, it was Apex. And he was teaching us about how to write in a way so that you can bring your, you're your basically bringing your readers into this Delta state. And he's like, it is possible. And it's like hypnosis, right? Like you're, you're showing them and creating this world so that, you know, if they're sitting on a crowded subway or if they're, you know, um, ignoring their children's and, you know, throwing, throwing Cheerios their way for dinner, um, that they can, you know, imagine and, and create this world in their head but he said it is actually possible to get to that dreamlike state, which is that theta state. And that is super deep on that cognitive scale. I don't know if you've ever read a book, Craig, where you're like, you get up and you're, you look around and you're like, where am I? Because you have been so, um, direct, you know, just in, in, ensconced in this world that you're actually surprised when you come out of it. Cause you're like, Whoa, I'm sitting in my living room and not, you know, on the forest moon of Endor or wherever, you know, whatever your, your genre type is. And it is possible as, as writers to be able to do that for someone else, which is amazing. Yeah. I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, you were saying earlier how a movie, you know, it can help too, but I think the difference with a book is that, you know, not just that it takes you longer to read and there's, there's just, there's more sort of description and there's more, um, you know, depth to it because it's just, it can be longer, right? A movie just has to drop a lot of stuff, right? You were talking yes. about Hunger Games, you know, I watched Hunger Games with my kid and, you know, I remember he had read it and I'd read it and I was like, ah, oh, they changed a lot of stuff, right? I get why they just mm -hmm. have to, right? Um, yeah. But when you read a book, um, the other the other reason I think is that uh, you can use the, your imagination to put all the stuff from your own life and sort of make all those sort of connections to the characters and everything. Whereas if you were to watch the movie, everything is sort of visual and fixed, right? Yep. It's harder to put yourself in the role of, of that main character. If you see the character and they look nothing like you and they're 
saying, you know, they're doing things that are, you know, maybe they were in the book, but there's so much other things in the book too, that you can sort of like just really lose yourself in that world and really um, connect with it in a different way than when it's a concrete, this is how they look and this is how the world looks and this is how everybody acts um, like it is in a movie. It's just harder to, to, to sort of lose yourself that way. Absolutely. And one of the things I tell people, because I do teach like writing classes and, you know, I talk to others, you know, I I present at conferences and I always tell people, I was like, as the author, you're actually co-creating this book with, with your readers. Like they bring something, they bring their filters, they bring their experiences to the table as well. And so every book, you know, like, it's funny because I I had one of my reviewers are like, Hey, what does your character look like in your head? Because I wanted to post like a social media thing and I kind of wanted to, you know, represent them there. And so I was looking around and I was like, oh man, you know, I had deposit photos or something where I'd bought a subscription. So I was looking for something that I could use like legitimately. And I was like, man, I just, I just don't see her. And so I picked out one that I thought was pretty good and I sent it over and she's like, oh, that's funny. That's not how I imagined her at all. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, that's funny because, you know, what I see in my head is different. (laughs) Yeah, and that happens all the time. I've seen so many shows where I'm just like, that is not how I envisioned that character. Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, it's uh, the story had left it more to the imagination. Uh, and sure. then other times it's more like, I remember um, the Jack Reacher books. He's very very well defined in the books you know he's yes. big eyes you know, yeah kind of blonde i think it was blonde hair and, yeah. and all this stuff and then they had the the tom cruise uh, movies and everyone i get it you know because at the time i saw those tom cruise movies i thought you know they're fine but i hadn't read the books at that point later i read the books uh and i was just like yeah that's that it's not, it's not fit, <laughs> within right? the first few pages you're like that's not jack reacher and right it's- right yeah, but the new the new guy is, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, but the, but like you know, but that's a one where it was super defined, right? But in, in a lot of stories, they li- they intentionally leave it vague so that the uh, so that the reader can sort of transpose themselves into the character. Absolutely, that was one of the things they said about Bella in Twilight is that you know she was basically a blank slate, and like young girls who would read this were like, that's me, that's me. And, and what a beautiful quality to do. I mean, whatever your feelings are about Twilight, she mastered that and she got girls to feel that way about her book. And so, you know, say what you will about the story. Like some people are like, Oh, her blah, 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 blah. I don't care. She mastered something, learn from it. Like she did something really well, figure it out and see if you can duplicate it. <laughs> I will stand for Twilight for exactly that reason. It's like, whatever you say about it, you can criticize it all you want, yep. but it really, really resonated with a generation. Yep. And so it, as a as an entrepreneur, I'm like, okay, what did she do? What did she do well? Because I want to replicate that, right? Like I want to be able to sell that many copies. I would die if I sold a hundred million copies of anything, Right. And so instead of, you know, bad mouthing and whatever else, I'm like, okay, what did she do? How can I, how can I replicate that? And a lot of it was to do with feeling and emotion. Yeah. Like, you know, when Bella in the the second book, I mean, I could, I could, she was so annoying in the the second book when she was like depressed because Edward had left her and she was doing stupid things and things. But at the same time, you could get it. It's like, yeah, you've, you've had a, a, somebody you were in love with who, 
ghosted you or whatever and it's like what do you do you feel like a piece of you is missing and then she wrote yes. it in a way that it resonated with even like even cynical people like me could read it and understand it yes absolutely and i think that what she did was actually brilliant like it was brilliant and and girls connected to that her target audience really connected to that and as authors we should be doing that too like we need to be doing that so, i think it's the same for men's fiction with james bond is another one who was kind of like a blank slate that yes. men could put themselves into yes and i actually love james bond james bond is kind of more of a static character except for the most um the most recent iteration like um daniel craig actually had a lot more emotion and like you know he he changed a lot more rather than like the 1960s bonds or even you know pierce bronson or whoever played in the 90s i miss i missed that i didn't have cable i didn't i didn't have money i was a college student back then and i didn't have money to go to the so i missed all those bond movies but um but yeah james bond he was what i loved about james bond and i love bond movies like it's hilarious because i love romantic comedies but i also am like come on husband let's go watch these you know action movies and he just thinks it's hilarious that i'm like let's go watch the latest bond let's go watch mission impossible let's go watch this he thinks it's hilarious but um but what i love about those is that they're competent and they're good at their jobs and you just want to follow them no matter what they do right like whatever they're doing, I'm here for it because it's going to be awesome. And I love that in a genre, like we need those kinds of characters, even if they're kind of static. Um, when you write, you know, that's, that's your classic Sherlock Holmes. That's, um, uh, Superman was a little bit that way. He was just the quintessential, you know, character, but he was good at what he did. And so we were willing to follow them around. Most people you're going to need to have that character growth in order to make them compelling. But I do love James Bond. Yeah, I mean, people want to, they want that hero as well. They want that mm -hmm. competent person who can do everything. And then that sort of makes them sort of, you know, root for them. And also, if they are sort of feeling a little bit like them, then maybe, they, again, it brings them up. So how would a writer then, in your opinion, like you talked about creating that dopamine burst in your readers, yeah. right? The, which is, is what's going to help lift them, yes. lift their spirits up a bit, right? You know, we're not saying a book is going to cure depression, but no, it can, no, it can help. It can help, you know? And, and so what do you think it is that writers can do to add that sort of thing to their, to their stories? Absolutely. I think it's super important that we do do this. And like I said, this is not a cure all for depression, but it does, it does help like anything that you can do to, um, I call it mental hygiene. Like it's like get good sleep, you know, exercise, read good books. Um, and as a writer, this should be a skill in your your toolbox, right? This should be something that you are good at or learning to be better at. So um, one of my favorite books, I mentioned it earlier, um, is The Emotional Craft, Craft of Fiction by Donald Moss. He walks you through this and he talks about how, um, basically how to take people on this emotional journey. And he like breaks it down. I think it's chapter five that just, I mean, it is like step by step. And I wish I had a copy so I could like show you, but the emotion, emotional craft of fiction by Donald Moss. And basically what he says is that, you know, everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses and you test the strengths and you expose the weaknesses. And then you keep like stripping your character down until they are a single core, like, like everything is exposed. Everything is out and they have to face the ugly truth. And then that's that dark night of the soul. And then from there, they rebuild themselves back up and they become like this elevated person. And, um, 
Another book that I love, if you haven't read it, I'd highly recommend it is um, Story. Um, Kelly, now I'm going to totally, Lisa Cron, Story Genius, I think is what it's called, or oh, I, I will get it to you. I think it's Story Genius by Lisa Cron, but whatever that Lisa Cron one is, is amazing because she talks about the lie that we tell ourselves. Like everyone has this lie and it's overcoming that lie because I think, you know, growing up, we all have childhood trauma. Like no matter who you are, I don't care if your parents were saints, you have childhood trauma. And we we tell ourselves these lies from that childhood trauma, right? We, t- we say like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm really bad at relationships. That was something that a lie that I carried around with myself for a really long time that I'm like, the reason why my relationships fail is because I'm just really bad at relationships instead of the truth, which is that's not my person. And, you know, it's okay to not have everybody love you all the time for forever. Right. Like, but in my head, I had created this lie and Lisa Cron goes through this whole like um, process of how to test the lie, break down the lie, um, reinforce the lie. And then you finally get down to that dark night of the soul where you have to face the lie and you have to look at the lie in the eyes and say, that is no longer the case. I am not that person. I no longer believe it. And it is when you get to that point of healing that you can actually progress towards your like self-actualization type thing is kind of how she she frames that. And so I highly recommend, yeah, I think it is Story Genius is the name of it. I was like, I could search on the internet really quick. Story Genius, Lisa Kron, Emotional Craft of Fiction. And of course, if you are not familiar with Save the Cat, um, writes a novel by Jessica Brody that is such a good book for the character journey as well as the plot, like marrying those two together. So those are the three books that I use and I consult often. And I just kind of, you know, as I'm drafting an outline, as I'm writing, I'll go back and consult those books all the time to make sure I give them, you know, the highs, the lows, the gut punches, the the triumph in the end. So... I swear by uh, Dan Harmon's story circle, and it's funny. It's a circle that's split into two halves, which are order and chaos, and then honest and dishonest. And the point Ooh. you just about how you have to confront the the truth, that's that point of where you go from the dishonest quadrant into the, the honest quadrant. So it's that's fascinating to hear you say it. Yeah, I think it's so amazing because like when you say story circle, I'm like, oh, that sounds so interesting. I'm like, I'm going to go look that up because like there's so many ways to tell stories. And I love it because there isn't like a one way to tell stories. But I love it that that resonated with you and like Lisa Cron. I mean, I've kind of like cobbled together a bunch of, you know, different books to kind of come up with my system. And um, yeah, I think whatever you can find to to those resources like you should repeat that book again because i want to hear it and i'm going to go back and listen to well, this it's not it. even a book it's dan Harmon, who is the writer for rick and morty and for community he wrote oh. he created this thing called the story circle which is a simplified version of joseph campbell's the hero's journey right and it's like how you chart a story and i found that very very valuable i mean say i think it's it's more simplistic than save the cat but i think it's still got a lot of value because you see stories and you're like oh wow and you realize all good stories have to be satisfying. They have to follow the circle because that's how you get that dopamine hit when you read it. When you Absolutely. finish a story and you put it down and it's like, um, excuse me, you want to light a cigarette afterwards. And you're like, that was satisfying. <laughs> right? It's just so good. It's like it's like eating ice cream after dinner. It's like, yeah. I don't know, like that, that good, like, mm, that was just so good. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, if we have a... Um... 
we have uh, Roland did a, an article on the story circle. It's in our blog. If you, if you oh, go okay. on and you search yeah. for it, it's, there's a good graphic on there and explains a lot about it. And uh, I think there's some links to some references for it as well. Oh, um, totally but yeah, I mean, like, I think the, the super important thing for authors to, to sort of take away is the idea of creating these characters that are real, that have real problems and not being afraid to really dig into those problems and show them and, and take it down to the raw and then, and then bit and then build them back up. Right. And then through that, you know, your care, your, your readers are really going to connect. Obviously not everybody will, but you're going to find that you're going to create such a more of a, an emotional connection to certain readers that really, really, that the book really speaks to. And that's, you know, probably why you get so many, um, people commenting even on your ads and and all that about your book because you've done that right and and I think that that um, even if you aren't concerned about mental health or helping people with mental health it's going to make you a better author in general because people are going to remember your book those people that that it doesn't really resonate with doesn't mean they're not going to like your book they'll they'll like it as well as they would mm-hmm. normally, right? But those mm-hmm. people that it speaks to, those mm-hmm. are the ones that are now going to go out in the world and evangelize your book. And they're going to yes. tell everybody about your book. And and yes. that's what you want, right? You want, right. you don't need every reader to be like that, but you get a few of them. And that's that's worth way more than than the advertising that you could, you know, that you'll spend. Absolutely. I was really surprised because I actually just went back and and looked at that ad and it had like 160 shares. And I was like, who is sharing (laughs) this? Like for other people, that's probably really low, but I'm just starting out. Like I just barely published my first, like I started in trad first and I just barely moved to indie publishing. So I was like, this is my first ad. And I was like, who is sharing this? Like they want to evangelize because when you make people feel something, it's contagious. Like people will say, look, you should read this too. You should like, this is such a good book. And let me tell you, that is the best advertising that you can do. I am a hundred percent more likely to read a book because one of my friends recommended it than an ad that I see on Facebook. Sorry for all those people that are running ads, but that's just the truth. So write something that is so worthy that people say, you have got to read this and they hand you a copy. And the other thing is, I mean, I find that you buy a book because you know the author, you like the author, you trust the author. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to buy Amy Ziegler books because they know yep. that yep. she's going to deliver that angst with the satisfying, yep. happy ending. And Absolutely. So- that I would say that that's like my brand. Like it was funny because I just got back from a writer's conference last night and they were like, I want you to, what is your brand? And, and that's what I came up with. Like the action adventure romantic comedy, like what people what people feel every you're going to have realistic characters that have like real problems, but it's going to be treated in such a way that you will come away with such a good feeling when you're done. Like it's going to be, people are going to be like uplifted. It's going to be filled with hope. It's going to be funny, but people are, they are going to suffer and it's okay to cry. Like I have, you know, characters and I cry sometimes when I'm writing these books, like it just touches me so deeply that I hope that that translates to you know readers being so connected and invested that they they do as well and i, yeah. I find the whole idea of stories where yeah as an author you have to make your characters suffer but when you're living your own life and you're going through bad times sometimes you're like oh this is just a bit in the book where the character really has to suffer so oh yeah i'm suffering now but it's okay it's all going to turn out to right in the end yeah yeah and i think we love that um i love i think we love um watching vicarious suffering i think that's terrible to say but it is true 
Um, because misery loves company and we love to see these heroes triumph, right? Because sometimes some of the problems that I dealt with, like, um, they're just not going to go away. Like postpartum depression is, is here to stay. I'm, I'm out of my childbearing years, thankfully, but still I have, um, times of depression. Like I still get really bad, like days and weeks where I, I can't write, I can't do anything. And, um, and so I do love reading stories where people triumph, where people are brought down to these lows because it gives me strength to go out and try again. Even if they're on a battlefield and I have, you know, nothing in common with these people, um, to see them win, to see them struggle is healing for me. It is healing in my soul. So I love it. Yeah. And I mean, that's why most um, romance novels have happily ever after endings. And, and for, rightly so, because uh, readers don't want a book that doesn't have that, a romance right. specifically. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I actually read, I can't, I don't know, it's the one, Me Before You, um, I didn't want to read it. I, I actually went and watched the movie and it was, I walked out of there and I was mad. I was sad, but I was mad. I was like, that is not a romance. That is not a romance. They didn't get together in the end. Spoiler, if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> but I was so upset because what I was looking for was that happy ending. And I think that's why a lot of people do um, gravitate toward romance. I mean, romance is like one of the top genres. And, um, and, you know, and again, going back to like all the people who read literature, a lot of times, like, I, I have a secret. Here's a confession. Are you ready for this confession? In all my literature classes, I never finished one of those books. Like, never. Scarlet Letter, didn't finish it. Um, trying to think of some other things. Hamlet, never finished it. Why? Because they were so sad and depressing. I was like, why are we making our kids read these? You know, I know that they have... I can't stand right? literature for the same reason. Literature, they call it... <laughs> Yeah. Like, literature is literature is what they a term you use for authors who can't sell books. Yes, I swear. <laughs> like, and, and and I'm not trying to bag on them. I know. I'm sorry. All your literature writers out there, you have a place too. But like, it just cracks me up so much when when I read something that is literature and um and I get depressed afterward. Like, I'm like, what's the point of living? Like, the whole point of it is like, what's the point of living? And I'm like, oh, that's depressing. I don't want to think about that. And which is why I gravitate. You know, Alexander Dumas, even though he's like a thousand years old now. Um, he was writing popular fiction of the day, right? He was writing things that would, you know, it was the same kind of thing as, you know, I'm trying to think of something that's super popular today. Um, geared, I think it's... Well, the Marvel more... movies, for example. Yes, Marvel movies. Exactly. I would consider Alexander Dumas the Marvel movies of that era. Yeah. He was writing action adventure. There was romance in there. It was French. So, of course, there was. But, um, but yeah, like... When you when you have that, I mean, I read Dumas because I I I love it. Like I think it's great because you know he has, um, you know, people doing interesting things instead of you know the House of Seven Gables by Nathaniel Hawthorne. I just I, I couldn't get into it. Wuthering Heights. Sorry, I still couldn't get into that. I've tried to read it. Tried to tried so hard, couldn't get into it. It's supposed to be a great classic, but oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean. I, there's a place for for literacy or, or for, for sure, for, absolutely for literature. <laughs> But well, there's a place for literacy too. But there's Absolutely. a place for literature, Absolutely. Uh, and and I think you know people are reading that stuff for a different reason. They're not necessarily right. doing it for escape. Nobody's reading Kafka to to feel no. better, right? No, that um, is not but... what I read for mental health. <laughs> you know, right. mental cleansing. Here. I mean, Wuthering Heights is a great example. It's like, yeah, it's literature. Mm -hmm. I know tons of people who love it because they want to be depressed when they read it. Right, right. Sometimes and me, it's, already, yeah, it's like fan fiction. You know, you, you buy you read the fan fiction yeah. for the emotion you want right. to feel. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I agree. And so, so like some d- people d- don't read mean that to disrespect literature. Yeah. No, no. Like you read Wuthering Heights because you want a good cry, right? That's, that's, and that's cathartic in and yeah. of itself, right? So it's, it's not that literature is bad or there's no place for literature. It's just, um, for me, I'm already so super depressed. So reading something like that does not help me. I want to read something fun, but that's, but I, but that's me. Like, that's me. That's fine. No, and, and every, every author is going to just like every reader is different. Every author is different, but I, I'm the same way as you guys. I, I actually went to, um, university originally for creative writing and I got into the program and, um, I, pretty much dropped out after the first year because the stuff that they wanted us to write or, or and to read was just all literature and it was nothing genre it was nothing that i was interested in and it wasn't what i wanted to write and i get that you know you're still going to learn the techniques and everything but it just it you know it was tough for me to 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 be motivated when right. that was what we were studying it was just so completely not what i wanted to read and write um, so, you know, I ended up just making my own path later in life, but, um, but, you know, it, it, I get it, you know, there's a place for it, but I think for, for this particular, particular topic of you know, mental right. health and trying to feel better from reading books, you're right. usually looking for more of that escapism that ends with a happy ending. Not that depression is the only mental health issue that, right. that we can help with, that reading can right. help with. Right. But right. You know, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. So Absolutely. So I think uh, we're probably coming up on the uh, end of the end of our time, though, right, Roland? <laughs> we are. Gosh, I've been so engrossed in the conversation that I haven't been keeping keeping track of the time. But we have. But it's thank you so much. I mean, it's been such a fascinating conversation, and I love it because I, you know, people always ask me, "What's how do you how do you write a good book?" And it's like you make people feel. And I think yes. that's it. And so talking about this, it all ties it together in a really satisfying way. So I think apart from the people who are offended about what we said about literature, a lot of the people <laughs> who are going to be listening to this will will get a lot out of it. Yes, I hope so. And I hope like hopefully this was helpful. Um, you know, I, we mentioned a couple of books and your your guys's blog. You know, we, we get a lot out of what you guys are both doing for the indie author community. I really appreciate, you know, I read your emails. I, I look at your stuff. I look at what you guys are saying about the industry. And I just really appreciate how you guys are willing to help us as authors to try to navigate, you know, our business and story and all this stuff. So I'm super impressed for what you guys are doing. And I'm super, I'm super glad to be able to make this connection with you guys today. So it just makes me happy. Well, speaking about making connection, where can people find your books and connect with you? Well, if you want to read my books, I mean, of course, um, right now, Amazon, um, of course, some of my traditionally published books are in Kobo, um, Barnes and Noble and everything else. Basically, as long as you spell my name right, which is A-M-E-Y-Z-E-I-G-L-E-R. Sorry, I don't take credit. Both of those names were given to me. But I'm going to create a pin name that will be much easier for people to find. But basically, I'm everywhere. I have, my website is my name. Um, you can reach out to me. I'm on Twitter, but I don't get on as often as I used to. Um, Instagram is kind of what I'm doing right now. TikTok is, I think it's Amy Ziegler author. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of all over the place. If you get my name right, the first eight pages of Google are me. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. We'll we'll obviously pop a link down there. Craig, before we wrap things up, do you have anything else to say? Well, you know, just thanks again for coming out and bringing this topic uh, to everybody. I think it's, um, you know, you really, I was at the time when we talked about it originally, I was trying to figure out, you know, what the link is and, and how authors um, will 
because not everyone, you know, thinks about this issue, and even though it affects a lot of us and a lot of people in our lives, you know, not everyone is makes that connection between writing and, you know, mental health, unless they're writing a book about mental health. And I think that, you know, you've really helped us understand what authors can bring and, and uh, to the, to the discussion and, and how they can help their readers and how they can, um, you know, do better with their writing, not, and not only to help the, their readers get through some things, but, but also to connect better with them, which then, you know, helps them sell more books. So I really appreciate you bringing this to us and letting us talk to you about it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Like, thanks for letting me share my stories and <laughs> and talk a lot. And hopefully you won't get too much hate mail about that literature. <laughs> no, 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 we're, we, we love literature. It's just, you know, it's a different, it, it's, just, it's just different, different stuff, right? right? It's, it's just not when exactly, I read that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Different mental state you're in. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, thank you guys so much. Well, thank you so much for having us. And if you have enjoyed what Amy had to say, make sure you leave a comment down below. And while you're down there, if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do click that bell icon so you can uh, catch every episode of Hidden Gems as soon as it goes live. And until then, we will be back next week with another episode. So thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye.